0: Hi everyone! Welcome back to Melanin and Miles. This week we are finally getting back into um, our weekly interviews and I want to introduce Katsyana who recently published a book The Power of the Palette Through the Great Exchange. The book is about how food bridges the gaps of culture and its potential to help improve conflict resolution and promote diplomacy. He aims to teach people that while we may all speak different languages and have different cultures and live in different places, We're unified by the ooze and ums of our palates when dining or exchanging a meal with someone. So I'm very excited to have this guest on our podcast today and I'm excited to get back into interviews. Uh, Welcome, Katiana. Thank
1: you, Janelle, it's nice being here.
0: No problem. So I know that you have written a book but I don't really know much else about you. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're um, originally from, uh, what you do for work or like where you went to school and how your background really tied in with travel.
1: Sure. So I uh, grew up in Decatur, Georgia. And if you don't know where that's at, it's about 20 minutes outside of Atlanta um, in a Haitian household. And it was pretty awesome. Um, In undergrad, I studied politics and political science and got my master's in political management with my focus being in global advocacy. Um, And throughout that time, I studied abroad and um, got to learn of different cultures. And of course, I was familiar with um, being a first generation American and not having English as my first language because I learned Creole first, being as um, my grandmother is the person that helped raise me and she didn't speak English. She only knew like a couple of words in English, and it was always funny um, how she still understood people via emotion or just empathizing with their situations. And so that was always nice. Um, I now um, work at National Geographic, where I am a business operations coordinator for the content and planning group, and I help a lot with our diversity equity And inclusion um, subject matters. And before then, I was a UN fellow. Um, I worked for a global humanitarian consultancy. So I have a lot of background with working with others from different countries, backgrounds and cultures. And it's always
0: a light and joy in seeing how we're all different, but the same. That's really cool. So I guess being from a different place and having to deal with people all over the world with for your career is that what really pushed you to start traveling so much? Is that what really like sparked your interest in like your? So my
1: mom was the person who sparked my interest in traveling. Um, growing up, we take summer trips. To my first summer trip was to Haiti. Um, I got my first passport when I was two and a half, and I remember it through pictures because, I mean, my memory doesn't go that far back. But seeing it and seeing um, all the different people and dances, and us going to the beach and all the food was that was around, um, kind of helped with my passion for travel. Um, and even if we were taking road trips, um, because. Not every summer we can go to a different country or visit different places. So my mom would make a point of either driving to Tennessee or Florida to see family um, or North Carolina. We just take many road trips on the weekends in the summer and go see something that's different because she believes and I resonate with her belief that there is more than our city there's more than our town and it's always good to learn of different people because we are different and it helps our understanding when we travel and our ability to assimilate into a new place when we travel
0: yeah definitely I feel like starting young is the best way to go like the fact that you got your first passport at like two years old like you were you were sick <laughs> like yeah you definitely knew like that's what you wanted to do um, and even
1: and oh I'm sorry oh no keep going I was gonna say that even in undergrad, um, I studied both at Georgia State and during high school, and then transferred to Marymount University here in Arlington, Virginia. And I took every opportunity that was given to do a um, study abroad course, and we'd either do it during spring break or at the end of winter break. And I remember studying Jane Austen and when we went to London and experiencing that and going down the streets that she'd write about and going to bath and and experiencing the Roman baths and um, I forget the name of the famous street that she would write but going there and then studying in Vietnam and, and seeing the similarities of the Caribbean well seeing the similarities with the French influence Um, in Vietnam like it would be in Haiti. Um, Our cuisines are very much different but all in the same because of that influence. And so it was always fun, always different. The food was always amazing. Um, And I feel like that's what kept dragging me back to these different countries or the excitement to travel um, outside the United States or within the United States.
0: Nice. So uh, talking about food, like what got you into food, like what really inspired your book and then combining that with travel? Yeah. Um,
1: So food goes back to me being in the kitchen with my grandma. Um, She spoiled me and my cousins rotten. Um, (laughs) The reason that I say that is because she'd cook a meal that's different every day except Saturday. But Monday through Friday and then on Sunday, she'd cook a different meal um, for lunch, breakfast and dinner. Um, And the kitchen would be where we would be with her, watching her prep all of it. And then when we got older, helping her prep. Um, And the countless stories of when she and my parents and family first moved to America and how they were able to break the barrier of culture um, and allowing um, neighbors and others to partake in Haitian cuisine, um, to see what our food is like and it not meaning a thing because when we cook, it's for everyone. And so sharing that was an important piece. And then me studying about global advocacy and seeing ways that gastro diplomacy can change our world. um, I had to write about it. Food is more than satisfying our hunger. Food is our memory. Food is love and um, it amplifies our taste buds when we're able to share a meal with other people and learn more about them um, and grow and do life with them. And so that's why I wrote The Power of the Palette and that was my inspiration. Uh,
0: That's really cool. So I guess getting into more detailed questions about your culinary experience and travel, how do you think food influences our travel and understanding of other cultures?
1: Food plays a big role um, in culinary tourism because one of the top things, at least that I came across throughout my research and writing this book is that food is one of the main things that we search for Um, when going to a different city, when going to a different country, we're always um, enticed by a a famous coffee shop or a famous restaurant that we want to lean in and and go to and learn more about and experience, especially with our current day and age and and us being on social media and seeing all the different posts in the different cities. um, Food is what attracts people to visit, Um, and it's one of the first introductions that we get to a different culture. One of my mentors throughout my UNA and CA fellowship introduced all of us to this term called Mbantu, which means I am because you are, you are because I am. Um, And she goes to to say that it's an emotional intelligence where um, we're more inclined of partaking in conversation or establishing friendship or relationship with other people if they're able to understand you. Um, And that comes across as like, me going into a Korean restaurant and ordering bulgogi and rice, or me going into a Thai restaurant and ordering basil lemongrass shot curry um, with rice. And, Being able to connect with either the chefs or the cooks or the servers who are probably of that background um, and talk about travels to their country and talk about how I enjoy their cuisine. And they um, are interested and dive in deeper into the conversation about who you are, because what led you to their country or what led you to their town? And and they start to share about themselves. And it's a life-fulfilling moment and sort of full circle too
0: that's really cool I feel like like food is definitely an important thing when I go to travel someplace but I never thought about it in this much depth so this is like a really cool it's a really cool interview for me because like yes I know it's important but now I'm like wow food is really important like (laughs) a lot goes on (laughs) um I love it and
1: I mean we can't live without it you know like the thing that we always yeah need and what better way of than expanding our palate and trying something that's really different especially when we travel um and then i i feel guilty when i come back to the united states because i try to find a restaurant and it's not always the same i'm like <laughs> maybe it was that was different yeah. or something but it tasted better there or i try to find something that's at least similar
0: and um That's always fun. That's pretty cool. So then my last two question, why do you think we should embrace our differences earlier in life and share our cultures with others using food?
1: I shared about this in the book too. It helps
0: us empathize
1: um, and allows us to understand that our world is bigger than who we are. Oftentimes I feel like the embarrassment lies in in schools and lunchrooms because we all think each other's food are smelly or gross growing up. And instead of us saying yum to someone's yum, we always say yuck to someone's yum. And that develops into our adulthood and our perception of other cultures. Um, But if we start young, or if we're teaching our kids different cuisines or different things to to eat, it shifts the way that you think. And it also boosts confidence um, in being in a different culture, right? So being Haitian American, um, I remember when my mom would send me to school with rice and a a dish called legume. And legume is basically um, a vegetable sort of stew that has carrots and like blended chayo and eggplant, um, and like other veggies with chicken that is normally served over rice or rice and pureed beans, also known as dili and sospoise. Um, but I would bring it to school, and kids would be like, what's that? And I'm like, this is rice and this is legume and they're like is it legume and like just making fun of how to even say it and so like at times i would be embarrassed or just shut it off and like not try to rep it and claim it and now being yeah yes they amazing. are they're jerks um sometimes uh, <laughs> but i have, I have <laughs> hope that they will change um be it that a lot of them has been at home for a long time maybe they'll come out nicer. To make friends, um, and be better humans, but um, now with like social media, I see half of my peers who used to make fun of me—they're Jamaican or they're Trini or from somewhere else—and I'm like, you're making fun of me, but you're eating roti and curry at home. Like, <laughs> why were you all up into to my dish and thinking that it was smelly or, or, or funny looking? Um, but it helps us to be empathetic. It helps us to grow and it helps us to understand others beyond what we understand and inspires us to travel and learn more about other people. And I feel like when catastrophe happens abroad or somewhere that you've been, it it hits home because you've been there and you've experienced those people in that culture. and you empathize stronger than someone who's like, it's all about me or where I stay or my hometown. And so it helps with the empathetic side of the person. And it also helps boost the confidence of the person in being proud of who they are. I, I truly don't think I, I was proud of who I am until the 2010 earthquake and, and seeing the resilience of the Haitian people. And even with the re- recent earthquake that happened this past weekend on the 14th, um, I'm still proud to be Haitian. I'm, I'm never going to denounce that part of my culture. I'm never going to denounce the Dominican side to my culture because that's who I am and that's who makes me. And so, um, and, and there's beauty in in both the people and in the cuisine and its uniqueness. And I feel like if we all tap into that as a society, we can all change the world. Um, and it's not just a kumbaya moment or Kapal moment where you're like oh that's amazing if you if you truly think about it Buddha is one of the most common grounds that we have to connect with someone everyone eats rice everyone eats bread everyone um eats vegetables um it's just a, a way that we prepare that's just different and at the end
0: of the day it's beautiful yeah definitely that's like that's really cool. Like, once again, like, I just never thought this deep into food, but like, you're like, really, you're, you're making me see more, I feel like. And like, the next trip I go on, I'm definitely gonna like start looking into like the histories mm-hmm. of certain things. Like, where did this come from? Like, who influenced that? So, we talked a lot about your book. Where can the audience actually find it? Because I'm pretty interested in Do it. Do it
1: um, It's everywhere books are sold. So, on Amazon. Barnes and Noble. um, And there's other small retailers um, that you can find it in that I am working with in terms of like getting it on the shelves. Um, But it's on Amazon and it's on Barnes and Noble. And after you read it, be sure to leave a review. Let me know what you think. Um, There's also recipes in the books for people to try. Some Haitian recipes, uh, some cocktails, some desserts. And so yeah it's it's worth checking out and worth the read it's more than a cookbook um and my second book that I'm now working on is is definitely going to be mind-blowing um I'm truly excited
0: oh I'm excited and I'll I'll find it on Amazon and like link the the Amazon link in the show notes yeah and so you guys can easily find it in order if you want to if you want to buy it um so I know you mentioned an upcoming book. Do you have any upcoming trips um in your plans? So with this learn. with
1: the Delta Lambda Gamma variants, I don't plan on traveling outside of the US anytime soon. Um I do plan on traveling within the US and and, and going to new cities that I haven't yet been to and seeing what the buzz is all about with their famous dishes. Um, I plan on going to Pittsburgh soon, Um, and after that, I'll be going back to Atlanta. There's so many new restaurants that are opening and um, debuting in Atlanta and even here in D.C. Um, So I plan on just going around and, and making my rounds to different restaurants that features different cuisines and dishes.
0: Oh, I highly recommend if you go to Pittsburgh, because I'm originally from Pennsylvania. So like, I, I yeah, I like, I like know like what they be doing. But if you go to Pittsburgh, I suggest getting like a Pittsburgh salad or a Pittsburgh sandwich or something like that. It's basically like a regular salad or sandwich, but a heart attack at the same time, because they put like fries in it and they put like a bunch of like different fried foods in your in your salad or sandwich. You'll have, it's good. You'll have to send but, me some recs on places to go. Okay yeah I'll definitely I'll send you a couple of places. Awesome. Um, But yeah that's like the one thing I miss from home. I miss like getting a Pittsburgh salad like so easily.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, I, I'm a true stickler for salads as I've gotten uh, other. It's like I love it. A Southwest salad has its way in my heart and so does a grilled steak on
0: balsamic greens. <laughs> no, that sounds good. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, let me think. I don't know where else, I guess DC. Well, you, you live in DC, so you probably know like the foods they have. Um, but yeah, Pittsburgh, I definitely suggest Pittsburgh salad. Um, I'm not sure if Pittsburgh does this, but like other parts of Pennsylvania, they put like vinegar on their fries a lot. So I recommend That's trying that out if when you go to a restaurant. That reminds me of like fish and chips with the
1: vinegar that comes on the side. Yeah, there. it's yeah. kind of it's
0: kind of similar except like you don't have to have fish with it. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> there's like like the food trucks that like sell fries and stuff. They'll have like vinegar like just sitting out for everyone. Like it's a normal condiment to so just like have out. It's a different thing about where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be culture shock for you, but I'm excited and
1: looking forward to it.
0: Nice. So I guess I have one more food question. So which country do you think has the best food? Really? And no. You can't say, you can't say <laughs> Haiti. You can't say Haiti. You can't say Haiti. That is so hard. Um, I know it
1: is. Man. It depends because, I mean, I've had the best breakfast in London. Um, I've had the best lunch in Vietnam and probably the best dinner, I'd say, in Hong Kong. And the reason why I say Hong Kong is because there is um, a ground of different cultures that's there. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to nitpicky on which culture I had for dinner. (laughs) And so, but it was, it was tasty. It was great. Um, I loved it. And Hong Kong is definitely a place I'd go back to again. Um, But in Vietnam, I had, if people are wondering, I had banh mi for lunch with pho. And in London, I had a smoked salmon croissant with fluffy scrambled eggs that had, um, I think it was spring onion on top of it, and a side of tea because why wouldn't you have tea while you're in London? So, that's the details of my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I cannot specify on which cuisine I love most because um, it's super hard.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds really amazing. I feel like um, you went to some nice spot in London (laughs) because actually like I think that's the country with my or like the UK in general is just like the country with my least favorite. (laughs) Yeah well honestly and I, I swear on
1: this that was at the hotel that we stayed at that I had that breakfast. Oh, so, wow. they had their A game okay. on for some college students because it was tasty. Um, and props to Marymount Global Residency Program for setting us up in a nice space because I was thoroughly impressed and really did enjoy my food because, I mean, I'll be honest, most of London's food is bland. Um, <laughs> but that was like super tasty. Um, And even when I was in Bath, there was like this food truck um, or food cart that was like in the center of the city that like sold chicken and falafel and all this other stuff. And that was just amazing. And they had live music playing and it was great. It felt like I was sort of in Chicago, although I've never been to Chicago um, (laughs) at that lawn that they normally you're dancing at that's what i felt like i was in bath
0: um it was great that's pretty cool um yeah i definitely i gotta check out whatever hotel you were at because i've gotten to be honest the only breakfast i probably have ordered in the uk it was just like the traditional english breakfast which comes with like the beans yeah and it's like eggs and like some meat and toast yeah and like, I've never been impressed by <laughs> the traditional English breakfast. Like, I don't need the beans. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I didn't need that. Yeah. But that smoked salmon breakfast, that sounds delicious. I would definitely try that. Yeah. It was tasty. I enjoyed it. Um, I guess one more food question before we get to the tips and advice. What would you suggest for travelers that have dietary restrictions? Like if they're vegan, vegetarian, do you think like they can still truly enjoy the cult, the culinary experience or do you think they're just like, they're out of luck?
1: Oh, definitely. I feel like our world is more accommodating than people think. Um, and the reason that I say that is because more and more countries, either their country Either the country is familiar with its cuisine being gluten-free or, or vegan or vegetarian to so where people can be accommodated. But if they don't have it, I would say go with an open mind because we don't want to come off as dish respectful or um, too uppity that we can't bend our rolls um, or eat around what we can't eat. Um, because I mean, they, they are hosting us. We are away from home and away from our customs and norm. Um, and that is a way of understanding is, is tapping into what we have access to. And, um, I don't think water is the only thing that you can live off of when you go to these different countries and enjoying what they have to offer, but, um, just going with an open mind, um, And you'll be surprised. And and just doing your research beforehand, because if, for example, if you're vegan and going to India, you're at home because most of Indian dishes are vegan friendly or vegetarian friendly. Um, Or if you're going to Southeast Asia, you're at home because most of their dishes doesn't require a meat option. Um, And if you're gluten-free, I would just say stay away from the breads and pastas because you just don't know and just eat the vegetables or meat option that's on your plate. But that's my outlook in terms of food allergens um, while abroad.
0: Uh, Thanks for the tips. Um, Me and Joy, like the co-host of the podcast, we used to be vegetarian and yeah we never once felt out of place wherever like we went to get food so um we tried to do an episode on on it at one point but I feel like it was during that time when we had transitioned out of being vegetarian yeah so I don't think we were that convincing <laughs> <laughs> I mean we were explaining it but definitely like I've never like struggled traveling when I wasn't eating meat like there's plenty of things out there to eat and like yeah. like you said like the world is definitely more accommodating now
1: it sure is and even like food trucks um I would say be careful um and ask locals which food trucks are the most sanitary or the best and they'll guide you to the right place but um yeah it's definitely more accommodating than it was before
0: definitely so we're Hitting that time, I'm gonna wrap up the interview with our final question that we ask in every interview. And it's, why do you think Black women should travel? We deserve
1: a break. I feel like we work so hard and, and try to make a name brand for ourselves that we don't get to enjoy what's around us. So hit the pause button in life and go out and see what's out there. There's more than your city, there's more than your town. And they love us when we go abroad, and you'll love it in um, the places that you get to see when you're abroad. So tap into that.
0: Thank you so much, Katiana, for the interview. I loved your response. I love everyone's response to that final question, um, because more Black women should be traveling. And I, I hope whoever's listening definitely takes the advice that everyone gives.